What is up? Welcome into the SBI Rundown. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, Ivis Galarsep, who uh, confirmed made it to Columbus and back safely. Ivis, good to see that you did it, man. How, how was uh, how was Ohio? It was good. It was good. It was a long, long drive uh, there and back, but uh, I made it. And uh, it was definitely a, a bit of a surreal experience. Uh, j- you know, my, it's my 19th MLS Cup final. And this was uh, obviously a surreal one just because, you know, I was, Columbus is with COVID-19 and the pandemic and curfews and all that. It was a, it was a ghost town, as you might expect. And uh, yeah. it, it was it was a little crazy from that standpoint. Friday night in Columbus. I've been there many a Friday night and it's I've never seen it look like it looked this weekend. But uh the fans there did get a chance to celebrate a pretty special Saturday night. Yes, they did. Was it I, being in the stadium? We'll get into the game here in just a second, though. But we talked about this in the last episode, right? Last game in Columbus Stadium, right? First soccer strip stadium in the nation. I mean, was there something special in the air when you were there? I mean, did it bring a tear to your eyes? I mean, you know, well, different? apparently it may or may not be the last game because oh, now really? uh, it sounds like there's some delays uh, with their new stadium. It sounds like it won't be ready till July. So, uh, it's it, bad. It, this is like a curse. It, this is like a, this is like a future curse happening right here. They, they they should not play in this stadium. End it on a positive. Yeah, note. yeah. I mean, so first things first. We don't know when the 2021 MLS season will begin because there's there's a lot of questions about that. Uh, it sounds like you know, based depending on what's going on with the pandemic, MLS may try to push it push to start a little later. But obviously, with 2021 and the uh, the schedule and the international calendar, it's kind of next to impossible to to change it too much. But uh, you know, forget all that. Columbus Crew may may have to play some games in Map Free next year at Map Free Stadium, or they might do the crazy route and just play all road games to start the year. We've seen teams do that before. Um, if I was if I were the crew, I wouldn't mind that actually, because it, it, then when you get later in the year, you're going to have a ton of home games. You're going to be in your new stadium, and knock on wood, hopefully by the second half of next next year, next season things are somewhat returning to normal and, and, and the whole pandemic will, will be hopefully winding down. So I don't know if I'd mind a road trip, a road trip to start the year from the crew. No, that's not bad. Well, let's talk about the MLS cup final here. Crew defeated the Seattle Sounders three to zero. You and I clearly wrong on our predictions for this one. Lots happened after you recorded the show last week, right? You have players on the COVID <laughs> list, but I mean, dude, hats off to the Columbus crew winning this game. I mean, look, the solution for Columbus is simple. Just go out. Your DP has to be Argentinian. You got to get one. They have success with that now three times running. Uh, Columbus crew, man. I mean, what, what, a, what a game for them um, to defeat Seattle Sounders. Right. It was, uh, it was definitely a surprise and uh, full credit to the team as a whole, because it was definitely a group effort, but the two people you really kind of have to, to, to look to and, and, and give major credit to are obviously Lucas Elarayan, who had, an MVP type performance. And I didn't go back and watch the last episode, but I'm pretty sure I said, or I definitely wrote that Zalari, they needed Zalariana to have an MVP performance to have a chance. Um, but he gets credit and also Caleb Porter because the way he was able to handle the adversity of the team losing Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos just two days before the final, mm-hmm. you know, some teams might've crumbled in that situation, but obviously Porter, he, he's, he's, he's the type of, coach who who stares adversity in the face and uses it as fuel you know he's not a he's not a guy who's going to get down on himself if anything he'll get he'll get mad you know I, i'm pretty sure when he heard the news he said screw that we're going to win anyway and i'm and and i'm going to get find the guys to plug in there and he did that he, he he plugged in aiden morris the youngest player to start a game in mls 
cup final history. And not only does he play him, he starts him. And then Aiden Morris plays a great game. Yes, he does. Uh, and then obviously Derek Etienne comes back from COVID-19, former New York Red Bull homegrown, who was kind of, you know, his career was uh, in limbo at the end of last year. It's crazy. I tweeted it after the game. A year ago, Derek Etienne, his year ended in tears with him not knowing what his future would hold after the Red Bulls pretty much said, look, you know, your future's not with us. Uh, so here he is a year later, scoring in the final, winning a championship, and he's sipping champagne in the locker room to end the year. So, I mean, pretty, you know, I've gone off a little tangent there, but so many great stories. And I wrote about it on SBI for those who may have missed it. You know, I, part of the reason I, I think people didn't give the crew much of a chance Obviously, it's because Seattle was the favorite, you know, MLS Cup defending champions. We knew about the crew players that were missing. But just 2020 has not been a year for storybook endings. 2020 has not been a year for happy endings, right? So I think most people just expected something, you know, not not superly like storybook, right? And I know Seattle Sounders fans will say, hey, it would have been a storybook if Seattle won. But I think most people outside of Seattle we're hoping for this perfect bow on the, on the, on the Columbus crew story with going from nearly being wiped off the map by a greedy owner and Anthony Precourt to yep. being saved by their fans, uh, new owners step in, invest money, hire the right people. And here we are, they're lifting a title. I don't, I don't think anyone could have, could have imagined that kind of storybook in this year. This is in this, this is the year where the crew, you know, it's supposed to end terribly like crew, like sun Saturday morning, the whole team test positive. Like that's what we were waiting for. Instead, we got the storybook ending yeah. Columbus crew lift the title. Well, agree with you on a couple of points right there. Want, want to circle back. Aiden Morris, agree with you. Um, great game from him. Could it, that stat I did, you were talking about youngest player. I, I couldn't believe it. Also, I think he was maybe like what the tenth rookie ever to start in an MLS Cup too. Is crazy. Was it that many? Was out. it really? It was ten? I didn't even realize it was that many. Maybe it's not as high as ten. It's lower than that. It might have been only three. I think actually. Well, someone needs to. Someone needs to check me. Sorry, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I remember it was enough where I was like, dang, rookies maybe not starting in MLS Cup is crazy. Grew through on the Hassel family coming in, spending the money, uh, you know, taking the crew from like we talked about, right? Not making the playoffs last year. To making it now, you know, and I think the one thing that, that we did talk about right last on last week's show is you have to give a lot of credit to the Columbus Columbus Crew's defense. They haven't given up a goal now in three matches running in the playoffs now against the Sounders. Uh, you know, we talked about the high-powered offense that the Sounders have, right? They can score a lot of goals when they get going. But, you know, the crew kept their shots, um, you know, outside the box. Opportunities weren't really there. And, and you really got to give hats off to them and the defense performance that they've been able to do throughout the entire playoffs and here against the Seattle Sounders. Right. I mean, they were definitely very well organized and credit to Jonathan Mensah, who, who really, I mean, if you included the playoffs in the overall kind of MLS Defender of the Year considerations, you'd have to put, you have, you'd have to call Jonathan Mensah Defender of the Year. But obviously, it's a regular season award. But the defense, they do deserve credit for sure. But I, I think Caleb Porter deserves that credit for setting up a team that could attack Seattle. Uh, they, it's not, it's not as if the crew won the possession battle. I mean, the, the Sounders had plenty of the ball, mm. but the crew did, the, you know, they, they took made full use when they did have the ball. They definitely put those chances in Zellerian. I mean, those goals that he scored were pretty impressive yes, goals, they were. but the, I, I do that have to say goal, this though. That first goal was oh, so clean. I know. And I know, and, and, so and, yeah. And now what definitely annoyed me about that first goal was I knew as soon as I saw the replay that people were going to try to say, Oh, Stefan Fry should save that. But listen, we re, on replay, slow-mo replay. 
it's always going to look worse. And that's one of those deals where you're the goalkeeper in real speed. You're not expecting that perfectly hit left-footed volley off the long cross. Like he hit it perfectly. Uh, you know, how about, got how about the save? How about the save he had a few minutes before that? I mean, how do you even make that save? Right? It's it's like uh, yeah. So I, I I would say, but one thing I did I wanted to touch on is. It, the idea of destiny, and I know it's a little cheesy to talk about destiny and serendipity, but if you think about this crew team, right? Number one, this team almost didn't didn't exist anymore. It almost, you know, Anthony Precourt wanted to move the team to Austin. Uh, crew fans rallied together and saved the team. They found, you know, they, they were able to find an investor in the Haslam's. But on top of that, Caleb Porter was basically all set to coach the LA Galaxy. And and, and it, it's not, I don't feel like it's talked about enough. And obviously it's it's not something convenient to talk about, but now that he's won the title, you can kind of look back on that and point to the fact that he was ready to take that job. And it came down to the guy Galaxy balking at the contract length. Caleb Porter, Caleb Porter wanted a certain length contract to agree to go there because as you know, you know, when you're in that high, high profile uh, job situation, you know, you don't, you, you want to have, you want to make sure you have some security there, some job security. So it, it ended up where everything, the talks fell apart. And then, you know, Caleb Porter moves on and ends up, you know, going to Columbus, him and Tim Bespachenko, by the way, another MLS cup winner previously with Toronto FC, the general manager, and they form their, their dream team and they build this team. So if you think about that, especially LA Galaxy, LA Galaxy just fired Guillermo Berchelotto. So clearly it didn't work out for them not agreeing to the extra year. And I'm pretty sure I got to believe if they could do it again, if they can get in a time machine, they would have just gave Caleb Porter the years that he wanted because clearly he's shown he's worth it. He's worth yeah. the years. He's worth the money. He will help build you a winner. And now he's done it twice with two different teams. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know I was going to say about that, uh, you know, I think real quick, I want to bring up another point, the storybook ending you're talking about. I think if you're fans around the league, the last thing you also wanted though, is the Seattle Sounders becoming that a team of destiny, right? Winning back to back. How many teams have done that last time happened? Um, dynasty. Dynasty. dynasty That's what me. people yeah, were talking about. Dynasty. Yeah. I mean, Galaxy did it back to back, right? So if you're a fan of me, the last thing you want to see is Seattle get those back to back. But you're right about Caleb Porter though. I mean, to win it with two different clubs here, um, you know, Columbus looks set up going, going, the setup that Columbus has now with the players they have, Looks like they're going to be keeping everyone intact going forward. I mean, Caleb Porter is going to have a nice little thing going here for the next going into next year as well. Right, they're going to be even better next year. You have to think they're going to upgrade. Um, it was obviously, if anything, their project was set up to make next year the year they won the title. Yeah. So they did it a year early. Uh, it was everything was kind of gearing up towards twenty one when they would have their new stadium and they'd, they'd have their kind of perfect team that they would try to build. But obviously, they got it done ahead of time. And I gotta say, man, you know. Darlington Agby, when I saw when when I heard the news about Darlington Agby, I was just like, well, that's it. It's a wrap. And, you know, full credit to Aiden Morris for the game that he played and full credit for everyone for picking up the slack. Now, obviously, Seattle did not play well and, you know, not to take anything away from the crew, but the Sounders did not play well. It turns out after the fact that Nicholas Lodero was injured and he played injured and it definitely it it, it definitely answered questions there, because as you're watching that game, you're kind of like. Where's this is not the Nicholas Lodero we're used to seeing in these type of situations. The man is a stone cold killer in the biggest moments. He just didn't really have it. And now it's, it's clear he played injured and you could kind of, it, it definitely, when you think back to the game, you kind of see it like, okay, now I get it. He didn't have that same burst he normally has, but guess what? That's, that's what happens. It, it, no Columbus, it, no one's feeling bad for, you know, Columbus managed without Darnton Agby. So, you know, you, no one's feeling bad for Seattle, uh, but the crew, man, so many good performances all over the field. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what it takes. That's what it was going to take to beat a team like Seattle. 
And that's why you give them all credit and give Caleb Porter credit. And Caleb Porter went crazy at the final whistle, man. He ran around, he's yelling at everyone in the stands. He just, and, and I asked him after the match about that, because I like, for me, my impression of that was, it, it was as much as he said, it was about the fans and wanting to share the moment with the fans. Great. That was part of it. But I also think part of it was him just unleashing the angst of all these weeks of feeling like everything was going wrong in terms of the COVID positive tests. You lose Nagby two days before the game. I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, man, is like fate just really trying to crush me. So he, he, he fought all that. And at the end, that whistle blew and he just lost it. And it was great to see, man. It was great to see the emotion and how much it meant to him. A guy who had already won a title before on the same field, actually. So that, that for me, I thought that was a great moment. Yeah. Okay. The Porter only the third coach in MLS history to win the MLS cup with two different teams. Anything else you want to touch on with the Columbus? Who are the two coaches, man? You got to say them. Bruce Arena and Siggy Schmidt. There you go. Well, rest you know, I was testing, I was testing your knowledge. Oh, come on. Really? Come on. I was there. I was there when they won those. I was, I still remember <laughs> rest in peace. Siggy, uh, Siggy Schmidt. I still remember being in the locker room when he won it with, when he won, uh, when he won with Columbus, uh, the sec- his second one because he won with the Galaxy yep. in 2002. Uh, I was which was my first MLS Cup by the way. My first MLS Cup final was the 2002 final, and I was in his locker room in the coach's locker room uh, after he won it um, with with the crew, and it, and it was just he takes out this big jug of liquor like of like I don't know what it was, and he just it was like he was saving it. It's like if I win with, if I win this title, I'm this is this is like my celebratory, and he had that great moment, and it was just like. It, just seeing what it means to these guys. It doesn't matter how many titles they have, how many titles they win. Every time you win, it just, it means so much. And it, it, it's great to kind of see that up close and, and, and knowing Caleb Porter and, know, and knowing how he, he honestly, he hates losing as much as he likes winning. And, and he, it, that's what it really comes down to. It's like, he, I, I know he's not a guy who's going to talk about fear because he's, fe- he, he's definitely fearless, but like, Fear, fear drives you. And he's definitely someone, the fear of failure drives him like very few coaches. And I guarantee you that that's what was, was pushing him through this whole thing. It was like, I refuse to, to, to have to, to have to, you know, be on the losing end of this one and full credit, man. He did it. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to the Americans abroad, Ivis Giorena. absolutely crushing it for Dortmund right now. Scored another goal this past weekend. If you didn't see it, go check it out. Nice little touch on the left, shooting it to over to the right across the goal. Uh, goalkeeper, it's his third goal um, for Dortmund. Dortmund, we, we can get into them a little bit later. But uh, Reyna, man, I mean, he continues to impress every single week. And uh, look, this goal is just another sign and showing that, dude, he has the quality to continue to get better. I mean, if you're a U.S. fan, I mean, dude, every time he does anything great, you're just, you're just, you're loving it right now. It, it, it's interesting because it's one of those situations where, you almost kind of, you like I don't know. I, I, for me, as someone who's been around the game for for a while, like we and you've seen these kind of prospects come along, and you're you're almost kind of wary of putting too much on them, right? Even as they keep exceeding expectations. Different though but this time. He, it's different. No, I get it, but you. It's like he looks like he could be one of the absolute best players in the world. And you almost kind of like, you almost like afraid to say that because it's like <laughs> you don't want to jinx it, right? You don't want to jinx it. But I mean, he himself has even said it. He said. That's his goal. That's what he wants. And he, there's no reason he can't do it. I mean, he's 18 years old playing at such a high level um, and doing some things. And I got to say, it's funny. You had some people, because there's always haters that hate everybody and, and always question how good people are. 
when Reyna was having his success early on, it was, oh, well, he's riding Erling Haaland's coattails. Erling Haaland, look, Erling Haaland's a beast. He's one, he's one of the best strikers in the world already. But Gio Reyna can handle himself. And now we've seen Erling Haaland, Haaland be injured and be out. And Gio Reyna is still doing his thing. So hopefully now, you know, those people who thought, oh, he's just riding, uh, you know, Erling Haaland's coattails realize, no, Gio Reyna's that good. He can do it himself. And he will be absolutely, I say, in two years' time, uh, you know, two to three years, definitely three years, but maybe two years time. He will be at a big team. He will be at a Real Madrid. He'll be at, a, you know, Manchester United, Manchester City. He's going to be at that level of team. And, you know, no disrespect to Dortmund, although they have their own problems right now. But he will. He's just he's at that. He's has that talent. So 20 year old Giorena. I mean, who knows where he'll be? Yeah. Well, two goals since Holland's been out. Right. So that can squash all things there. Plus, the other thing, too, is is. Was he really carrying Reyna? I mean, Reyna was at one point, I don't know if he still is, leading the Bundesliga with assists, too. So well, that was the point. It was you know, like, a, like lot of, a lot of the assists are him laying it off and Haaland scoring a ridiculous goal. So, like, it's kind of, you know, I get the idea, but, but see, it's like, I, I don't watch like the that games. Just watch the games. Just watch the games. If you watch the games, you see what he's doing. I agree with you. And here's my argument with that. If it's if 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 Reyna is riding those coattails, why isn't anyone else on the team doing it? Why is Reyna the only one doing it, right? So, so it's like... It, it is what it is, man. Hate is hate. People it always is, just hate it is what it is. stupid. All right. Some other uh, things. Uh, Weston McKinney, another strong performance from him. He had an assist. And uh, we had a in Julian. a start. Yeah. In, in a, a start. start. Yeah. He, well, look, he scores the two straight games, including a man of the match against Barcelona. Sure, he sure, is. Sure. You, you, you can't take him out of the lineup. And he's the guy who has the engine to play every other every three days like he's not gonna it's not he's not gonna wear down yeah. he's not gonna you know you know he's just he's a he's he's, he's just tough man he's he can handle it so great to see Pirlo oh, I know knock on <laughs> knock on all, all the wood right he uh no man he's he's you know and now he's got some big games coming up too yes he does yes he does and also we had Julian Green sighting like Julian he's, he's had a very nice season we even talked about when Greg Berhalter had those call-ups in November, for anyone who's maybe not totally dialed in with anything, we said that Julian Green could be a guy with a larger camp called in. He could be called in. He's putting together a nice little season for himself this year. Absolutely. Not not, not just little. I mean, right now, he. I mean, his team is in, I believe his team's in first place right now, in, in the, in the, or at least they're in the top two. They're, they're in promotion range. I'll check that for you. Um, and I would say this, if he gets them promoted, if he gets Grutherford promoted, and they aren't a, fan, a team that would have been picked to, to get promoted out of the second division, if he gets them promoted and he plays that key role in that and he moves up to the Bundesliga, I mean, at that point, Greg Berlt has got to call him in. I, I, I don't know if he'll call him in by March. At this point, if you're Julian Green, you stop thinking about the national team and just focus on on Firth and continuing to play at a really high level and see what happens come come uh, you know come the end of the season. There's going to be plenty of opportunities there. Gold Cup, I've said it for a while now. I think the Gold Cup would be a perfect opportunity um, if if Greg Berhalter isn't going to go with the first choice roster for the Gold Cup. You give Julian Green a, a a chance on that team because I just think he 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 brings a lot to the table, and he's grown as a player. He's 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 seriously improved as a player, um, in terms of being a two way player, box to box player, and his skill on the ball. He just gives he just gives you a lot, and I think there is surely some stigma about the idea of someone in the second division, German second division. It's not the Bundesliga, and nowadays we know there are Americans playing at the best teams in the world, so you don't necessarily have to go down to the lower divisions. But Green. No. Julian Green's a little bit of a different case, right? The guy's played and scored in a World Cup. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. He scored against the eventual World Cup champion just two years ago. So 
you know, for me, I, I, I've obviously been been kind of you know singing his praises for a while now. But if he plays like this the whole year and gets his team promoted, mm-hmm. Greg Berhalter, Greg Berhalter has to has to call him up. No, there will be at that point no excuse to to not call him up. Second in the uh, the Bundesliga two table right there. One other quick, quick, quick thing. Uh, Christian Pulisic, slight injury scare this past weekend. Uh, you know, Lampard comes out, blah blah blah. Pulisic apparently is going to be available for the game on Tuesday. Not sure when y'all be listening it's to the show. Daily, so, listen, uh, it's we'll a listen. Chris, the Christian Pulisic injury beat is its own beat. It's like a full time. It it's job. crazy, and, dude. It's and like, I gotta it's like say, breaking news every day on Twitter, man. Every day. I wonder. I gotta imagine Frank Lampard is tired of talking about Christian Pulisic's injury situations, and obviously, it's it's not ideal. And you know, what can you do? It is it is what it is. But uh, the bit there's some big games ahead, uh, obviously with the Champions League knockouts yes. and and some tough games at, at at the start at the new year when the new year kicks in. So if you're Lampard, you're not going to rush. You're not going to rush Pulisic, and you've already seen if you rush him, things bad things can happen. So that's why I know some people might be a little impatient, but you don't want anything where he's ending up missing a, a long time, right? You don't want that. So uh, you know, just be let's just be patient, and we'll just keep getting these daily updates on him. So. <laughs> Every time I'm on Twitter and I see an update, I'm like, oh, God. What? And it's like just a, nothing serious, nothing bad. And I'm like, it's like, on, uh, he grew a beard. Yeah, you know, yeah. He shaved the beard. Like, this. Well, is, is he, it, yeah, I know. I know. Well, you talk about the important. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's one point. Well, we, I don't know if I, we included him in the in our pre, pre-production talks, but we should talk about Tim Weah. Because Tim Weah is having oh, yeah, himself yeah. a little bit. He's having himself a renaissance. And I think it deserves mention. Um, he's starting to do some good things now. And obviously he's healthy. He's got yeah. a chance to start. He scored a goal in Europa league last week and he's starting to put it, to, he's starting to put it together. He's, he's healthy now, finally, after the ordeal that he had with the two different torn hamstrings, but you know, for, we can't forget about him. And he's now starting to play himself into that conversation again. You're definitely right. Well, you did talk about for pool's sake, upcoming games that are important a little bit away, you know, we're not till February, obviously that's going to come up here pretty soon. Uh, Champions League draw is out, though. You had some good games already on the docket. You got Barcelona taking on PSG. I'm sure a lot of people. Be, be, before you before you tease it, before you yes, tease yes, it, let's yes, point yes. All we gotta say is that there were eight Americans involved, seven different teams with Americans involved, and none of them are playing each other. Ooh, they yeah, all avoided each other. It's crazy. It's. I mean, I don't know what the odds were of that happening, but it happened. So now these aren't good odds, go- though. I don't like those because that means no Americans going to make it to the quarterfinals. They're all going to lose. Or, so or they could all make it. Or they no. Well, or there's the chance that they can all survive. That's you got to look at the positive. You look at the, there's only one game. There's only or there's only one round of sixteen uh, tie that doesn't have an American. Real Madrid versus Atalanta. The other seven have at least one American. So I mean that's. That's pretty good, and hopefully, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I think more than half of them will get through if you look at the teams that those guys are on. I agree so, with you on that one, yeah. So some pretty good matchups there. So and Juventus taking on Porto. I mean, that Juventus should be able to take. Weston McKinney one. against the well, who I think. Wait, no, who are the remain the remaining? Actually, there's two matchups involving U.S. national team stars and Mexican national team stars. You have Christian Pulisic and Chelsea against Hector Herrera and Atlético mm-hmm. Madrid. And then you have uh, we, we just said Porto and uh, Juventus, who's Porto, who, there you go. Juventus, Porto, Weston McKinney and Juventus against Jesus Corona and Porto. So how sweet would it be if the U.S. players and their teams eliminate the last remaining Mexicans from the Champions League? That'd be a nice little since they can't play each other since there's all you know there's not not, not there's no U.S. Mexico games 
uh, for, for at least until the fall now. So that, yeah. that'll be a nice little, nice little feather in the cap for the, the American contingent. Is, wait, wait, actually, is the U.S. playing Mexico in 2021 or, is it, or does they don't play until 2022? No, 20, 20, in the fall. It's, it's in November, it's October. Right? October or November. It's yeah, in the yeah, fall. that's what it is. Okay, okay I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. That would have been crazy. Wow, two years Manchester United play. This is yeah. a long time. This is yeah. a long time to go without a year. I mean, That's what I'm when was the last U.S. Mexico game? Man, I, 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 oh, Gold Cup final. Gold Cup final. Yeah, 2019. Right, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. After the game in, in September of 2019, uh, the 3-0 in, here, here in New Jersey, actually. It, Serginho, I believe it was Serginho Des, uh senior debut. So that was the silver lining in them getting embarrassed by Mexico at MetLife was Serginho Dest makes his debut, helps him make his decision. I think it's going to be a little it all closer worked contest. Out, Ivis. It all it's worked gonna be out. A, it's going to be a little closer contest when they meet a year from now. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's a Champions League draw. Y'all can check it out. First leg is you didn't February. Rattle, you didn't say the match. You, you didn't say all the match. Oh, go yeah, on, we say, got, I mean, you got some, uh, you know, Bayern Munich taking a Lazio. Chris, Chris, Chris Richards no, right there. To, yeah, Chris Richards and Bayern Munich. Yeah, Bayern Munich. Okay. <laughs> uh, Zach Steffen, you know, uh, Champions League starter, Zach Steffen. Excuse me. I need to be able to share. I get that correct. And Manchester City taking on Borussia Monchi. I'm going to butcher that. So Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate that one right there. Anyone else? We, who, who else are we not talking about right here? All of them. Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig against Liverpool. Liverpool. I mean that. Yeah. That's a heck of a matchup. So you, you know, you, I'm going to love seeing that man. Tyler Adams against that Liverpool team. Sevilla taking on Borussia Dortmund, which you know, Arena against Sevilla. That well, <laughs> we need to talk about this now. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it now. Borussia Dortmund has fired their manager. Lucien Favre has been booted after they got trounced by Eintracht, uh, not sorry, by Stuttgart. And the American manager, Pellegrino Matarazzo, Jersey boy, uh, they put a beating on Borussia Dortmund and, and Dortmund's struggles in Bundesliga play cost Favre's job. So now the question is who they're going to hire. And I know one coach, one manager who's been mentioned in the past with Dortmund. I don't know if he's going to get the job, but it'd be great if he did. Jesse Marsh, the American. Do you think Jesse, who, Marsh, uh, do you think Jesse Marsh is like, hey, can, can you do me a solid? Can you crush Dortmund for me? You know, you know. Oh, if he called the Pellegrino, you know? he, yeah, you know? he called, he called Mat- Matarazzo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, yeah. they're both, I look, they're Ivy League alumni. You know, Marsh went to Princeton. Matarazzo went to Columbia. So, I'm sure they. I'm sure they know each other pretty well. So he probably put the word in. So we'll see, probably. man. I mean, Marsh. Look, Marsh. I know some people initially might say, "Really, Jesse Marsh? Dorman? Dorman would hire him?" And look, Jesse Marsh has impressed people with what he's done uh, with Salzburg. They haven't qualified out of the group stage, but they put some. They have been in number one. They've been in some really, really tough groups both these past two years. And they've held their own these past two years in those matches against some of the best teams in the world. And he's also developed, helped develop some 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 talented players. Worked with some players, including Erling Haaland. So right there, he has an in. Erling Haaland's the star for Dortmund. You know, Dor- you know, Haaland's going to be like, oh yeah, Jesse Marsh is great. I'd love to work with him again. So <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, it probably won't happen, but it would be pretty amazing if it did. Happen. It'd be pretty cool though. We can dream, Ivis. Like yeah. It could, but like, Marsh but and Gio Reyna, come on. Because of, but like this, I'm saying, things are different now, right? If Americans performing, things change when people perform, Ivis. There's good and bad, right? So the good, like the the bad news is this probably doesn't happen. The good news is even if it doesn't happen, Jesse Marsh is heading to the Europa League, and he also has an American arriving at Salzburg in mm-hmm. Brendan Aronson. So, you know, from that, you, you kind of also as much as you look. Everyone would love if he, if he got the job at Dortmund, 
but also him staying and actually helping Brendan Aronson in the transition to Europe is pretty good too. So either way, it's a win-win for U.S. fans, and we have to talk about the Europa League draw. There's no, you know, we got Americans in that in that as well. Uh, sure, we can go into that real quick. <laughs> you like totally <laughs> I, 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 Europa I League? What's that? I, I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't prep for that. So, so you you take it away, Ivis. Well, Europa League, you have uh, for one, you have Real Sociedad and David Silva the former Manchester City star going up against Manchester United. That That's kind of the high-profile matchup in the round of 32. Uh, but you have Jesse Marsh and Brendan Aronson and, and uh, Red Bull Salzburg going up against Villarreal, a very good a very good La Liga team. So that, that's going to be a good matchup, a good test for, for Marsh and potentially an opportunity for Aronson to get his first taste of, uh, of European soccer. Uh, and, uh, and then you have a potential All-American matchup with uh, Tim Weah and Lille going up against Ajax and Alex Mendez. Now, Alex Mendez didn't get a chance to play in the group stage. He was the only American of the 10 that were on official uh, group stage rosters. He was the only one of the, 10, of the 10 who didn't get to play in the group stage. But you never know in Europa League what might happen if he gets that opportunity. But clearly, Tim Weah, his, his, his stock is rising at Lille, and he's starting to get more opportunities at Lille. So that one's worth watching. And then you also have... Richie Ledesma Horvath. and PSV, if you're looking at well, that. I mean, potential injury. Are we going to get into that? Well, we, we, which we need well, to talk no, about because we're He's not that, playing. You know? Well, we're going to get it. Yeah, that, save that for last. Ethan Horvath and Club Bruges, I mm-hmm. believe, are playing... I want to say Dinamo Kiev. Yep, That's my are. guess. They are. Okay, Dinamo Kiev. Right. All right. And then... It's sad because he's not going to get to play now. But PSV is in the is a, oh they do they do still have Chris Gloucester who's healthy and maybe he can make his debut. But we have to talk about Richie Ledesma. Uh, really, really terrible news uh, last week. You, I'll leave it to you to talk about the Phoenix boy and, and break the bad news. Um, well, you know, he's a ACL injury and uh, you know torn ACL. Yeah, he's out for a news. long time. I mean, yeah, it's bad news. I mean, it's, it's just <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a gut punch because he was obviously really starting to take off. He made his debut. He got yes. his first start. He's getting he's you know an he's, incredible he's really November. Making, incredible November. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Obviously, he makes his U.S. national team debut. Gets two assists. So everything was going perfectly and going great and looking up. And then boom, tears his ACL. Now. Yeah. There's no real silver linings to it, but what I would say is that he's someone who has shown that he can fight through adversity in the past. For those who don't remember, he broke his foot. Uh, I want to say two years ago now, actually it was in 2018, the fall of 2018, he broke his foot and it cost him, I want to say a big chunk of almost a whole year and almost cost him the under 20 world cup. He was able to get back in time to position himself to be part of that under 20 world cup team, but he fought through that and he will fight through this. And and let's remember now he's 20 years old. He's still young. He still has a lot of years ahead of him. ACL, ACL injuries are not what they were. They're not the death sentence they were 20 years ago where your career was pretty much done. Nowadays, we've seen we just, we only have to look at Jordan Morris. Perfect example. Jordan Morris tore his ACL in 2018 and he and every and everything since he's come back has been unbelievable with, with Jordan Morris. So, you know, not oh good luck to Richie Ledesma, man. I mean, he's he's a he's an excellent player and a, and a great great kid too, man. I gotta say, of of this young generation, I've had a chance to to interact and interview with with almost all of them pretty much. And he he is he has impressed me as much as anybody, just kind of with his personality and just his he just seems like a really good kid and 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 you you know, you really hope he gets back on that field and can show everybody the talent that he has. Yeah. Well, like I said, Europa League also playing in February. Um you know, not that many Americans that in that one, you know, so, you know, 
It's really, that's how spoiled we are. There's like, there's like five mm-hmm. and a coach, and that's like, listen, ten years ago, if you had five Americans in Europa League, you'd, you'd be throwing a parade. You'd be throwing a parade. I mean, yeah. come on. So we'll see. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. I know. I just moving over. MLS news and notes. Got to kick it off with Inter Miami with Diego Alonso. He's fired, but he's not fired. He's the coach. What is going on with them right now? Well, first things first, we got to talk about Paul McDonough. That as well, has, too. Yes. Is stepping down, has stepped down as general manager. Uh, and then shortly after, we have this whole situation with Diego Alonso. And for those who missed it, uh, The Athletic reported that Diego Alonso was fired. And shortly thereafter, they retracted the report and they put out a new report that basically said that, that Alonso was under, he believed he had been fired. I guess he had his end, year, end of year meetings with Inter Miami. He was under the impression he was being let go. He told everybody, he told players, he told staff that he was leaving. Uh, only there was some misunderstanding, apparently. So, it, you know, my, my impression of what's going on there is that he's gone. He's going to be gone. And at this point, it's just a formality. Maybe they're working out uh, details as far as what, what's going to be the, you know, the severance or the, or the package that gets, you know, that they pay him to, for him to leave. But I can't, I just don't see him being the manager based on what has happened here now in this mess and this whole situation. And, you know, uh, one thing I would say is when, when Paul McDonough was let go or when he resigned, stepped down, whatever you want to call it, because I guess he's still technically allegedly helping out in the transition of, of him leaving, I think it might've been easy to kind of make him the scapegoat for what was a pretty disappointing uh, first season for inter Miami. But I think if anything, now you've seen with this kind of clear mishandling of this Diego Alonso situation, you got to look at the owners. You got to look at the owners of inter Miami and ask yourself, like they, 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 they really, for me, shoulder a lot of the blame, most of the blame actually. And as much as you can always point to a general manager, you can always point to a coach, just the way this year has gone and the way things have been handled, I really look at that ownership group and think that they've really, really done a terrible job. And something people need to understand is that just because a group, an ownership group, succeeds in getting a team into, into MLS and getting a team to, to, to create a team, it doesn't mean they, they, they have those same skills and abilities to build a good team once they have the team in the league, right? I mean, I think, I think some people, a lot of times it's, it's easy to want to give owners, new owners, that kind of leeway, and you almost give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, hey, they got us the team. I'm sure they'll build us a good team. But I think if we've seen over the years, FC Cincinnati, um, get just because they just because or even before that the Philadelphia Union the Philadelphia Union as much as their their owners and their leaders when they when they got the union into the league it was a great accomplishment but we saw soon after in the years after that that they didn't know what they were doing in terms of running a team so we've seen this before that for every Seattle Sounders for every Atlanta United for every LAFC the teams that know what they're doing off the bat and succeed right off the bat you have these other teams that clearly their owners are stumbling out of the block they don't know what they're doing they're making mistakes and i think for me in Miami that's what you're seeing you're seeing a Miami team that has made an ownership group that has made mistakes once they got the team and it's like you almost want to give them a mulligan because of the torture that they went through to just get the team in Miami. Cause this was a decade. Yeah. I don't even know how long that ordeal was to get the team there. But now that they've had the team, 
I don't know if they've done that good a job as owners. Um, when you look at the timetable of things, how long it took them to get the coach in place. And I know you want to pin, you know, it's easy to pin that on Paul McDonough, but for me, that's on the owners because if you're the owners, you know, you need to understand how important it is to get your coach in as early as possible. And I know they swung and missed on some potential coaching candidates uh, early on in the process, but they really needed to get a coach earlier than they did. And that really put them behind the eight ball. And again, who expects this pandemic, right? No one saw this pandemic coming and that, obviously made things worse for them. It exacerbated what was a poor start or what was an, uh, an unfortunate start to begin with, with the late arriving coach. And now here they are cleaning up a mess. Do I still see Miami having the potential to be a good team and being, you know, will they get it right? Will they bring in the right coach, the right general manager? Potentially, but they, they definitely got it. I feel like they definitely got it wrong with, with a lot of the things that they've done in year one. No. Well, around the league, you have teams, you know, off-season's already begun. I mean, the Columbus Crew, they went on and acquired Evan Bush, <laughs> like minutes after they won the MLS Cup. Now, it, it's a lot to process with how much is going on with players being exercised, um, contracts being extended and whatnot. I mean, has any, anything stood out to you, Ivis, over the last 24, 48 hours since the MLS Cup final um, regarding teams and, and roster and player moves? Well, are we talking Austin yet, or are we get is that later? We can are get we into talking? Austin if you want. Well, the Austin? expansion draft for Austin, depending on when you're listening to the show, starts. Well, it's on Tuesday. I don't. I, I was gonna say starts on Tuesday, like like it's a week long affair. It, it'll yeah, it'll yeah. Chances are you will have watched. You will be watching yeah. this after the expansion draft, so we here's won't get really hit. into. Here, here's here's my prediction. Austin will draft Kyle Beckerman, a la shades of. Oh my gosh, you drafted Brian Ching years ago. Who was that again? Oh my gosh, you'll have Mon- a situation like that. Was it? Was it Montreal? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Montreal drafted Montreal. him. Which, yeah, that's my, that's my prediction for the expansion draft. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's going to work. He's, he can retire. He, he can always threaten to retire, which is what yeah, he can you do know, that. Yeah, he could do and that, what yeah. Brian Ching did. Yeah. Um, no, look, we're not going to talk about the – I mean, I'm not going to get into the expansion draft, but I will talk about some of the moves they did make. And I tell you what, them bringing in Nick Lima, that's a huge pickup for them. Yes, it is. And for whatever reason – Matias Almeida was never the biggest Nick Lima fan. And I think it, I mean, that's no surprise. That's not, that's not a secret, right? I mean, we saw how, how Lima struggled to kind of stay in the lineup. And then when he finally got in the lineup, you know, he, he performed when he got his opportunities and then a lot of, and he spent a chunk of time playing at left back, which wasn't his natural position. Nick Lima for my money is one of the best right backs in MLS. You put him at right back, you play him there, you play him 34 games a season. He will be one of the best right backs in MLS for whatever reason, Maybe maybe Almeida didn't see him fitting in the system. He didn't like him. There was there a personality issue? I don't know. Whatever the case was, there was an issue there. And so this is a great move for Nick Lima. Obviously, Josh Wolf is familiar with Lima, having worked with him when he was an assistant uh, with the U.S. national team and Greg Berhalter. Nick Lima obviously was called in multiple times uh, by Greg Berhalter. So there's that familiarity there. And I think a fresh start is going to do be work wonders for Nick Lima because you know he needed he needed a fresh start as much as he was a big part in San Jose's turnaround at the end of this last season. It was still you still had that sense like maybe it's time for him to go somewhere else. Yeah. Well. Like you said, the expansion draft on Tuesday for Austin FC. Um, you know, what's what's the biggest thing? I've seen the, you know, for as long as you've covered the league, right, and you've seen these expansion drafts happen, right. You know, what what are some things that some teams have have learned lessons from with these expansion drafts, right? Because you can't find hidden gems. You can't find guys that can help build around that roster for you. I and mean, what's the biggest thing that kind of stands out to you as Austin heads into this draft? Well, I mean, I think it's it's 
been proven and it's become pretty clear and kind of standard operating procedure now that it isn't that the expansion draft just isn't just hey we're going to go get five players it's now it's about commodities now it's about you know what we'll see who we like what happened was it? I'm saying that's also true as well, too. I mean, the league right. is yeah, no, so crazy. No, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, well, the thing is, right, it's probably easier to pick a couple of players that you really like, right? That w- Maybe there's one or two or maybe three guys that, okay, we want these guys. But then from there you go, all right, who do other people like and other people want? And then who, you know, we can turn those assets into trades and get some and get something out of it. Now, you know, some teams are better at that than others. Some teams have have, have played that game better than others. And, and I think Austin, just looking early on, Claudio Rain has been around, right? He's been, you know, he obviously had his time at NYCFC. So I, just early on, just with the moves they're making, you, you really get the sense that Claudio Rain has a good sense for how he's going to maneuver. And, and I would imagine you'll probably see two to three of those players end up being on the roster. And I think they're going to try to draft one or two players to trade them to, to accumulate assets. And they've been playing fast and loose with that uh, allocation money. I will say that I've noticed uh, they went and got, I think they, they, they traded for Julio Cascante, uh, the Costa Rican defender from the Portland Timbers. I was a little surprised by that. They paid a pretty penny for him. Um, they, 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 Ben Sweat, another addition for them. And I will say for Austin, it's definitely key and it's definitely a good move to get your fullback situation uh, pretty solidified right off the bat. And I know Ben Sweat might not have had his best year in Miami this year, but I think he's still a pretty solid left back. And as I've already said, Nick Lima, I think is is one of the best best right backs in MLS. So if you're Austin, you understand how important fullbacks are and you don't want to go having to go get international players to be your your fullbacks. You want those international slots for your attacking role. So I like those moves, especially as far as what Austin has done so far. You know, I'm definitely not old, but I feel old looking at Austin FC's technical staff and seeing Davey Arno as one of the assistant coaches. Like, oh, I mean, come on, are you serious? I'm like, not old, but like, it's like you know, seeing like I remember watching him play like two minutes ago. It's like, listen, I, for you, I mean, for you, see, for me, it's 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 like a new phenomenon now. You know, guys I watch playing becoming coaches now. For you, well, now it's happened I'm, for like I'm, forty I'm, years. I, listen, <laughs> I'm at the I'm at the hey I saw <laughs> hey I you covered watch, your yeah. dad portion <laughs> yeah. of the. <laughs> of the whole situation now and that's happened a few times now so um but yeah man it's uh we'll see i mean we'll see claude arena and josh wolf um i, I want to see what they do and I, I do have to say this and we didn't touch on it i don't think well a little bit anthony precourt is the austin o- fc owner right yeah. and i gotta say i wonder how he wh- like how he spent his saturday night uh watching or if he did watch the mls cup final um because I still remember the last time I saw uh, the last time I saw Anthony Precourt in person was uh, the Columbus Crew when they beat DC United in the playoffs in Greg Berhalter's last season as head coach, and uh, I was at Audi Field, and and he was there. Anthony Precourt was there in at Audi Field with his team. He was still the owner at the time, and it was just a kind of a surreal thing because it's like you knew you know what he tried to do. You know that he pretty much tried to erase the crew from existence, and here he is now, the team that he like. I don't know, man. It's not not to pile on the guy because obviously he's moved on. He's got his new team now. He's they're building their thing. But it's like it's been shown now that you could build something in Columbus. You could build a winner. You could get a stadium built. It's like everything he complained about. We've now seen done everything that he said couldn't be done in Columbus was just done. So it's kind of like. I don't know, man. I mean, hopefully pre-court learns learns some lessons from that and is a better owner for it 
in Austin. I mean, I hope so for the Austin fans, Austin FC fans and players and everyone there. Um, because I mean, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I just look at that and I say, it makes me question Anthony Precourt as an owner, just seeing that, how that all transpired. So hopefully he learns a lesson from that. Yeah. Well, he hasn't wanted to get out of Columbus too. So at that point you're going to make excuses about everything just to get, out I mean, of Austin is great. Too, Austin's right? a great city, but it, it was, it was, it was a slimy move. Let's be honest. It was a slimy, it's a slimy thing to just try to just snatch a club away from a, with a club with a history like that. I mean, I don't yeah, know. No. We, we don't need to relitigate that. They got a title. Now they're celebrating. They got their MLS cup. They got their new owners who know what they're doing. Uh, so they, they, you know, every, <laughs> everyone's moved on. It's kind of, you know what it's like? It's, it's kind of like, it's like when you have friends who are a couple, and then they break up mm-hmm. and then you're kind of like, they moved on. They're in their new relationships. They're both happy as much as there might've been a messy breakup and messy history. We don't need to talk about the history anymore. We don't need to talk about what happened there. They both moved on. They're both with their new partners. They're both happy. Um, so that, that'll be that. But we, you know, you get a few digs in it. This is, t- this week is the week yeah. to get those final digs in. And I got to say, it was pretty funny. Now, I mean, it wasn't funny if you're Don Garber, but <laughs> Precourt was obviously not at Matt Free Stadium for the trophy celebration for the Columbus Crew, but Don Garber was there, and the Columbus Crew fans clearly remembered that Don Garber was perfectly okay with Anthony Precourt moving the crew. He was he was ready to stand there and let it happen um, before obviously the Crew supporters uh, rallied and saved the crew. So there's a reason why Don Garber was showered with booze at the MLS Cup final trophy presentation, and I know. Uh, Pro sports commissioners getting booed at drafts and at championships. It happens. Great. It happens all the time. The but I don't know if I've ever seen Don Garber get booed before. And I've been at this is my 19th, this is my 19th straight MLS Cup final. And I had never seen him booed, but he got the booze. He got the booze. And, and you know what? You can say he deserved it a little bit, but hopefully, as I said, now well, we those, can all move on. We can those all are good, move on. Those now. are good fans in Columbus. That's what they are. Those are good fans. You got to remember they, things look, like that. They, got to remember. They earned the right to boo. Because yeah. if, you, if you almost had a hand in taking their team, or if you almost let that happen, you're catching it. You're catching a little heat. You deserve it. So water under the bridge now hopefully you know come come july when the new stadium opens and don garber's there and he's gonna be there hopefully you know everyone can move on i'm not no, saying he'll get, no, he'll, get, no, he'll get booed again yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Gonna he's still gonna get he's still gonna get booed but you know hopefully everyone can move on now and i gotta say i'm looking forward to columbus crew versus versus austin fc because that ooh, I, I i you know I, I, I can only imagine the banners. There's going to be some, the banner patrol at, at, Matt, at Matt Free Stadium or wherever the game is played. That I can't wait to see some of the banners. Um, I don't know how many will get in the stadium, but crew fans, I'm sure, are going to have some messages for Anthony. Yes, Pre-Cool. they will. And you know, and, and you know the schedulers. They'll, they'll make sure to put that game maybe oh, later in the uh, season. Yeah. Just Fourth to of be July. Sure. It's, like, it's going to be. It, you know what? Make it the first game at the new stadium. Perfect. Austin, Austin FC at Columbus Crew at the new stadium. So, so Precourt can see what he missed. New stadium, shiny MLS Cup, and you know what? At that point, you don't need any posters. You don't need any signs. All you need is that shiny trophy, and all you need is that beautiful new stadium, and that's the best revenge. So, I'm sure they'll still boo him if he even shows up. But that's the game. Make it happen, MLS. Austin FC at Columbus Crew for the opening of the stadium. It has to happen. There you go. 
Livis, that wraps up today's SBI rundown. Anything else you want to talk about, my man? That's it, man. I think we I think we hit all hit, hit all the spots. I wasn't expecting that little rant there at the end about uh about the crew, but great. Okay. Hey, they deserve it. They deserve it. Yes. And I had, I'd, look, I'd be the same. I'd be in the. I, I, dude, I'd feel just the same if I was the crew. I know. Yeah. Hey, hey look, this is Matt Maffrey Stadium here. I, this is a picture. I, I took this on Saturday. So, um, for the for the the nineteenth. Uh, and I again, I, I thought this was going to be the last game, but it sounds like now it might not be the last game there. It would have been nice if it was the last game because that would have been the the perfect fitting ending. It needs to be the last game. It no, needs but to yeah, be. I get that too. But I also wouldn't mind one last game with a full crowd. Yeah. And maybe it isn't crew. Maybe the national team play a game there. One last cool. set-off yeah. game. Maybe there's a national team friendly somewhere in there. Not maybe not World Cup qualifier, but maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe there needs to be a game there with a full crowd to say a proper goodbye. Because for all the memories that that stadium has given American soccer fans, it deserves a proper send-off. And I know you could say, hey, winning an MLS Cup, that's a nice send-off for the crew fans but i think that stadium means more it, it means something to more than just crew fans it means something to american fans across the country for you know all the dos Azeros, the all the wins against mexico exactly mls cups that have been won there i mean in portland if you're a portland timbers fan you still you you won the you won mls cup there you, you that you know so there's so many memories there so for me i hope they play one game there when they can have a full stadium whenever that is hopefully it's soon yeah very cool yeah I like that idea. It's a good idea, Ivis. Thank you. Yes. There it is. Make it happen. Well, Ivis, you uh, you enjoy yourself this week, my man, and uh, and we'll be back with uh, another SBA Renan later this week. Sure. Plenty of rest. Plenty of rest. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah, sleep yeah. for about two days straight now after this crazy couple of days, but let's do Lots it. of driving. Lots of driving. As always, everyone, again, thank you for watching now that we're on the website. Uh, for doing SoundCloud, watching the video. We do appreciate all the love from everyone. So thank you so much. And uh, And with that being said, Everyone enjoy your week. We'll see you later on the next SBI Rundown.